welcome to an Eternity Ward Extra. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Well, you'd read all about it if there was a transcript, which there isn't. So just listen as you're doing with your ear holes. We like to offer a right of reply to any of our podcasts. And we recently did a podcast on toxic masculinity, masculinity itself. We're offering a right of reply and... Uh, we had Ruby Ison here. Now, Ruby, like I offered you a right of reply to this and your original response was, it should be blokes sitting around talking about it, right? That's correct. I did say that. I maintain that. And you maintain that, but you're going <laughs> to talk about it anyway. I'll talk about it anyway. Yeah, 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 because you're here. So we thought we'd take this opportunity. So you listened to our podcast on masculinity. I did by myself, which I try to do when I feel that the podcast may be one (laughs) that creates a response in me that I do not necessarily want to have in front of other people. I may have thrown something at my phone. I think I was listening. You shouldn't keep your phone within arm's reach. That's dangerous. (laughs) I was the one that wanted to do that, that topic in that episode, because I, I felt like often we around having a conversation about men, it's often being shouted down as, no, because no, people often bring up about men in response to, you know, a feminist issue or, or something. And I wanted it to be its own little bubble where we would talk about about men. And we did that. And, well, we tried to do that. Can I get a right reply as well, Nick? Yeah, because but no, let, let Ruby go first. <laughs> Jeez, Chris. What sort of a host are you? A bun- I'm just saying there was a bunch of things that I took issue with and there are a few things that I took issue with that I said, you know, so I want to... To reply to yourself. Yeah, like, but yeah, by all means, yeah, let Ruby go first. Okay. So what specifically did you want to say about after listening to the episode? Yeah, so I guess the reason I thought, no, I'd love to hear a male respond to this is because a lot of what you talked about was what does it mean to be a man? And I love the idea of men figuring that out between them and sharing what their lived experiences are of what it means to be a man or what it means to see themselves as masculine. So the things that I wrote down that I thought would be, I I would like to respond are more where women came up in the conversation and the impact masculinity has on women or, or the words you guys were talking about toxic masculinity has. So the first one I thought I'd respond to, um, was the Sarah Hanson young, David Linehelm discussion. Mm. So respectfully to you both, um, I feel that the point was sort of missed on what the issue with that situation was. I I felt that you guys got a bit caught up in the exact words that were spoken um, by her that elicited his response, which we just don't know. It wasn't recorded. And if we, it turns out she did say all men are rapists. I'll be the first one to criticize that and say she shouldn't have said that. Um, I think the fact is we don't know. There hasn't really been a consistent message from either of them about what that was. And he hasn't really been able to say for me, when I heard about what happened and I read about it, it wasn't really about what did she say that provoked it for me? It was, I have been a woman at work, when my sex life or even my body has been spoken about in a sexual way and in front of other people. In fact, it happened just a couple of weeks ago and it's incredibly degrading. It's humiliating, embarrassing. It was in front of my colleagues. I didn't know what to say. And it was, you know, along the lines of, 
but I don't need to say it, but it was, it was a man hitting on me in the workplace in, in quite a graphic way. Um, and I'm not, that's not ex- exactly what David Lionhelm was doing, but when your sex life or you're spoken about in a sexual way does come up at work, there's an experience for a woman. And I don't know what it's like if it happens to a man, but there's an experience for a woman that's incredibly degrading. It's, it's humiliating. And it almost feels like you're stripped naked in front of the people that you're around. And I, I wanted to hide my body. Like I felt a physical urge to sort of cover myself and I didn't know what to say. So I sort of rolled my eyes and didn't say anything. And then when he said it again later and I felt there was less people listening, I just shook my head and said, mate, that you can't say that that's disrespectful. And he said, well, it's a compliment. I'm complimenting you. And I just said, no, you can't say that. That's disrespectful. Don't speak to me like that. Um, And then he just sort of laughed it off. And so I guess for me, I think a woman's sex life is never on the table for discussion when it comes to the workplace, but particularly in this situation with Sarah Hansen Young and David Lionhelm, where they were talking about policy, they were talking about politics, they were talking about what is going to make the country better and how is her sex life relevant to that? If she said something sexist, absolutely she should be called out for that and we don't know what that was, but the point was that a woman's sexuality, sex life, you know, what her body looks like naked is never relevant in this sort of discussion and it's incredibly inappropriate and I just, I felt for her in that, like when I read that because I I know what that's like, I've experienced that and many, many women have and it's humiliating and it makes you go from being this professional, educated, qualified woman at work to being nothing more than something, some sexual object. And so I just felt that because there wasn't a woman here on the podcast with you guys, there wasn't that perspective, which is Mm. not your fault, obviously, but um, I I just wanted to offer that um, contribution that I really felt like uh, what he said was just not okay and her response was completely justified to be furious and I'm sure politics plays a role in that as well. And But it's just it's disgusting and it's not okay and it shouldn't happen. That's what I wanted to say about that. Yeah. Thanks, Happy for, to hear. thanks for that Happy to hear any extra yeah. thoughts. Hear, hear. Cool. I presume we all agree with what you just said, 100%. Yeah. Cool. Great. Awesome. Yeah, cool. All right. Just wanted to say that. Okay. I'm just going through my notes now. Okay. Um, oh, Nick, I just wanted to give you the chance. I just wanted to repeat back something you said that I wrote down as a quote, just to clarify if you wanted to perhaps rephrase it or clarify what you meant. Yep. Um, you were talking about whether toxic masculinity could be a trip. Like, I don't know if you were saying it was, but you were just saying if women are generally the primary caregivers and men, you know, grow up with messages of toxic masculinity, if the woman's the primary caregiver, doesn't she share some of the blame for that is my understanding of what you're talking about. Yep. But the quote that you said was, it's always been the case that women have been raising kids and men have been off being productive. Yep. I guess I just wanted to check if you see paid work as productive and raising children at home as not productive. I am so glad you brought this up. Um, This was one of the issues my wife brought up and said, uh, I'm not sure you came across the way you intended to here. So productivity is an economic term. When I talk about productivity, I'm talking like, because I read a few economics books and so they talk about productivity Mm -hmm. in the workplace. So when I was talking about Mm. men going off being productive, I was talking about in that economic sense where you're being productive in an economic sense. Obviously, Mm. raising kids is a productive thing to do. 
it's probably one of the most important things that happens in our society, so much so that I quit my work so that I could do it at our house. Obviously, mm. uh, I yeah, thank you for bringing it up. I absolutely do not think that um, the people that go off and work are productive and the people that stay at home looking after kids are not because that's me. I stay at home and look after the kids. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I'm not well, productive. Well, that's what I figured. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's what that, I figured. I think that confusion comes from it's a economic technical term and I used it yeah. in a general conversation where that meaning was lost. Yeah, sure. Yep. That's fair enough. I, I mean, with, <laughs> we could get into something bigger here, but I would just actually argue that um, one of the best economic decisions we can make for our country is to raise children well and um, for them to have as long as they possibly can in their early years in the care of someone who has an emotional attachment to them and that the best economic decisions for our country – I mean, I know this isn't – you weren't – talking, referring to this, but just on a sort of another note, um, in terms of the cost of kids experiencing familylessness to our country on an economic level, I actually think parenting is economically productive for a country staying at home and raising kids in a stable environment in terms of the cost of what happens when they don't get that. Mm. The costs of jail systems, the cost of welfare, the costs of the healthcare system, etc. But that's another note. We don't have to get into that. Yep. Yeah, I agree completely. You agree and with it's that? supported by every study I've ever read. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Look at us go. Oh, you discussed the term toxic femininity. And uh, to recap quickly, one of the saying is you didn't really go into it heaps, but Nick you sort of said, look, if there's toxic masculinity, surely there also needs to be toxic femininity. Um, I don't remember you, I don't think you went into details of what you thought that might be or look like. I believe that it does exist. Um, So if you say toxic masculinity is what society tells people it means to be male and masculine and that those things can be toxic and harmful to others, I believe that there are messages about what it means to be female or feminine and that those messages can be harmful. The the difference, I think, I don't think they're an exact equivalent. The difference I believe is, can be summed up in um, a quote from Margaret Atwood, who wrote The Handmaid's Tale, which was, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid that men will kill them. And it's kind of just a poetic way of saying, I believe that when there's toxic femininity, it is more likely to result in harm to women. When there is toxic masculinity, it results in things like the death of women or the abuse of women or the rape of women. So for example, I believe an example of toxic femininity is messages about women being told that we are each other's competition. In Clementine Ford's book, Fight Like a Girl, she has a chapter about this where she talks about, you know, we're sort of um, socialized to see each other as in women, to see each other as rivals and therefore we put each other down. Women are our own worst critics and so to kind of push ourselves up as beautiful or feminine or, I don't know, sexually attractive or whatever, the way that we criticize each other can be quite toxic and can hurt each other, but can also hurt relationships as well. Um, The other area, what was it? Um, Oh, yeah. So what it means to be feminine is often to be soft, to have a certain uh, way that you dress, to do your hair a certain way. And I believe that those messages are toxic and the person that they harm is usually the woman herself. 
I understand you've both seen Hannah Gatsby's special Nanette and she talks a lot about what has happened to her in her life based on the fact that she's not conventionally feminine. And I think in this situation, toxic masculinity and toxic femininity are sort of working hand in hand and that it's the result of that. What does it mean to be feminine? And then what does it mean to be masculine? That was the stories she was sharing about, if you haven't seen it, about being beaten by a man and pretty much treated like crap. And from when the queer friends I have who wouldn't fit the conventional ideas of what it means to be feminine have a scary amount of stories for you about the way that they've been treated by the world. And so I think that that's toxic, that women need to be adjusting their appearance to make themselves attractive to men, to be truly feminine, to be what it means to be a female, I think is really damaging as well. So that's my understanding. But to be honest, it's really the first time I'd heard the term used on your podcast, toxic femininity. I haven't really heard anyone talk about it much. Well, we were asking if it was a thing. <laughs> but I just, yeah, because we hadn't heard yeah, it either. I haven't really heard it, but I think it exists. I just don't think it's the equivalent to toxic masculinity. So, yeah, when we were bringing it up, we were talking about, like, when I looked for a definition on it, there was a feminist def- definition on it saying that it's a false equivalence brought up by men's rights activists. Yeah. Uh, and, and Nick said, put me with the men's rights activists, but he also said that, well, it has to exist. And, you know, and I agree that, it, you know, there has to be a, a form of, of toxic femininity, but is it, you know, is it a false equivalence in the sense that it doesn't have the same harm on society? But you are also saying, Nick, something along the lines of if we're having a discussion about toxic masculinity, then we need to have a discussion about toxic femininity. Hmm. Is that right? So I think there's a danger in when people start talking about toxic masculinity, they just conflate that with anything bad that a man does. Mm. And it's just like it's obvious to me that men do more crimes than women. Men are more violent than women. So if that's the way you're judging it, then of course toxic masculinity is awful and toxic femininity, you know, is nowhere near the equal. Yeah, so if that's what you're saying it is, yeah, of course. But the problem is that... Feminists want to talk about toxic masculinity as though it's some evil problem taking over our society and preventing women from taking up their rightful place in society and then they're not even willing to consider the idea that women are part of this society that's being created and it wasn't just men that did all of it. Oh, absolutely. I don't think it – I think women are often complicit in that. Like, I am. Yeah. We're all in this together. I I reinforce messages of – you know, what it means to be a man that I shouldn't. Absolutely. And I'm a feminist. So just the idea that the first thing you find when you search for Google of toxic femininity is that it's just a made-up fictional thing by men's rights activists to promote a false equivalency. Like, that's just, how stupid's that? That should not be the first thing that comes up. The first thing that comes up should be a definition of what it is and of all the ways that femininity goes toxic. I don't think it's made up. I do think it's a false equivalency. And the article that you sent me, Nick, the way she defines toxic femininity is just not. I just don't think that. I think that's ridiculous. Nick sent me an article about um, a woman talking about her understanding of toxic femininity, which was, in her words, when women do things to amplify their hotness, um, so to make themselves sexually attractive in what they wear or how they dress. And then when they get male attention, they claim that it's sexual harassment. Would you say that that sums up a key part of what she's saying? Yeah. Yeah. So women use their sexuality 
to gain advantages and then they cry victim when that sexuality is noticed. Sure. I did not think that that's toxic femininity. Also, I think that women are accused of using their sexuality when they're walking down the street, you know, and I, I have little to no interest in writing articles or making comments about what women wear. I just think we've done, I've been doing it for too long. It's like done, it's over. Like just let women wear what they want to wear. Like, and, and it's so cultural as well. I mean, in some cultures, women are topless and that's fine. No one even notices. And it's just this Western culture where we've over-sexualized the female body to the point where people get mad when she breastfeeds, when she feeds her baby in public. Like, it, you know, we can't help it. We have breasts. I don't know what else to do with them except to have them on the front of my body. Like I, I, and I, I think, you know, we, we often jump to this sort of slut shaming. You're using your sexuality thing when a woman is just wearing what she wants to wear and looking how she wants to look. And, and it takes all the responsibility, it takes the onus away from men. It takes the responsibility away from men to make their own choices, you know? Men are free to make choices, as we discussed. Yeah, so of course women should be free to wear whatever the heck they want to wear, but they also shouldn't be naive and ignorant as to what wearing what they choose to wear will do to men around them. Sure, but that doesn't mean they're responsible for how the men then respond. Sure, they might dress in a way where they know that this certain thought might go through a man's brain, but what he chooses to do with that thought is 100% on him. There's no two ways about that. It just has to be his responsibility in what he does with that. And if he just asks for her number or asks her to dance or tells her she looks beautiful or whatever, depending as long as it's not at work and, you know, the context, it's appropriate in the context, uh, then that's fine. If he then pushes and pushes, if she says, leave me alone, that's different. If he then touches her without her consent, that's different. But Still, anything that he does from that point is his choice and is therefore his responsibility and is on him. So do you think men in developing countries make poorer choices than men in developed countries? Because this was a story about a educated mm. white woman who went to a developing country, wore what she mm. wanted to wear, said, fuck you guys, I get to wear whatever the hell I want, not taking mm. any consideration to the cultural impact of that and... So she thought, I can just wear whatever I want. And these idiot men from this poorer country are choosing. It's not cultural. It's not because they've been raised to think that men can do whatever they want. It's just because they make a choice. It's their choice. It's not mm. culture that's raised in this way. They are making a choice to come and sexually harass me. So what was the question? Do I think that the, those men are making poorer choices? Yeah, than men in developed countries who don't do that. Yes, I mean, I think culture contributes to those decisions, but I still think, yes, they are 100% responsible for those decisions. I actually saw a YouTube clip of um, like a little doco, mini doco of uh, programs they're running in, oh, it's going to be terrible because I can't remember, in a particular country in Africa where sexual assault and rape rates are just incredibly high. And they run workshops with the young boys and young girls. So they run workshops with girls where they teach them self-defense and they teach them to say no and don't touch me and things like that. But they also run workshops with young boys where they teach them about consent and they teach them about respect and they teach them about choice and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I, 
think those sort of things are so important because I do think we're influenced by our culture. And I definitely think like what I have said before that not everyone chooses from the same options, but I still yeah, a hundred percent believe that men need to take responsibility for their own choices. And definitely sexual assault is more prevalent in some countries where women are seen as less than definitely. And culture does have a big part to play. Like you were Ooh. saying, there are some cultures where women walk around topless and yeah. that's fine. It's fine. It's just part of the culture. It's um, not quite as yeah. sexualized yet. But, okay, so Nick, you're saying you, you need to take, you know, a culture into consideration. But I, I'm sort of of the opinion, well, we need to look at our culture and, and work on our culture, mm-hmm. you know, so that, you know, a woman can wear whatever they want and not have to be scared that there's going to be some reaction yeah. yeah so just to clear this up so my wife doesn't get cranky yep. at me <laughs> men are absolutely responsible for their actions if a woman walks down the street completely naked men do not have the right to just do whatever the hell they want no they're still responsible for their no. choices of course they are but the idea that you then say the woman played no role in it i think is crazy i think women have to go this is what men are like and i need to behave appropriately and men need to go, I'm not going to be an arsehole. I'm going to treat every human being as an individual and I'm going to treat them with respect and I do not force myself on anyone. That dude at your work, he was treating you awfully. It was abhorrent. He does not have the right to do that. Mm. And regardless of how a woman dresses, a man cannot force himself on another woman. Of course not. Yeah. I think you said something. Uh, you said, yeah, women need to understand the impact of their behavior and respond in an appropriate way. Did you use the word appropriate or respectful? Um, appropriate way. I think the problem with that is the way we've sexualized women's bodies and that it's hard. Telling a woman to act appropriately often means restricting her freedoms so that women can't uh, walk around at the same time of night than a man can. A woman shouldn't show as much skin as a man could. And that might be just the way it is for you. Like you might just say, that's just the way it is. And, and we just have to deal with that. That's not good enough for me as a woman who wants to be able to go out at night with my friends and wants to live free of the fear of being assaulted just because I'm living my life and I'm wearing a new skirt that I bought. I just don't think that's good enough. And I think when that incident happened where that comedian was killed in Victoria, she was taking precautions. She'd texted her boyfriend to say she was coming home. It was a short walk. She'd been in touch with people and it still happened. And for the police to come out with a response that was basically all on the woman is just not good enough. It's, it's for me, it's just like, well, that might be the way it is now, but I think we can do better. And I think we have in different places around the world and, there's a lot of things we need to do to get better at that, but telling women not to leave the house at night time or to wear a longer skirt and not, you know, I think we can keep trying to restrict women's freedoms or we can put the onus where it belongs on, on the perpetrator and look at how we raise men and boys and how we help young boys see that they're empowered and, and in control of themselves and they don't have to just do that first thing that they think of. You know, I was a youth worker. I've worked with young boys who said and did things and often I knew there were things going on at home for them. They'd had experience, horrible experiences and, and so I often knew that, that that was complex, but that doesn't mean we just say, well, that's the way it is. We try to get better. Don't we as humans? Like that's the whole point. We, we want to be better and I believe that prevention is better than preventing a situation where a woman has to choose whether or not 
she's dressed appropriately or, you know, she has enough men around her to protect her. I'd much rather address it years before it even becomes a problem. Yeah, so I think it's disingenuous to suggest that anyone is saying that the rapist isn't at fault. Of course the rapist is at fault. No one is saying that it's the comedian's fault. No one's saying it's the fault of the woman who got raped. Every, everyone no. is saying it's the uh, rapist's fault. But as well as it being the rapist's fault, did the person being raped have anything to do with it? I just think it's crazy to say, nope, she had nothing to do with it. Like it's the same, Chris and I have worked in schools for years and when you're talking with like bullies and victims of bullying, you don't just say it's all the bully's fault, it's completely the bully's fault because the the person that is bullied contributed to it. Is it their fault? No, it's not their fault. Of course it's not their fault. But can they learn to not be a victim of bullying? They can. You can learn to stand up for yourself and you can learn to not put yourself in that position. Now, that's not saying that that comedian in Victoria didn't do all those things. She may have done everything she possibly could have and still got raped and killed. That sucks. And whose fault is it? It's the dude, the fault of the dude that raped her. Of course it is. Of course it's not her fault. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I, I know what you're saying. I re-clarify, like I don't actually think people are saying, well, I haven't heard anyone say it is her fault to use the word fault. I guess it's sometimes about those implicit messages of it may not be her fault, but what did the police officer say when he came out? There was no message from my understanding. I could be wrong, but there was no message to men about what they need to be doing better about calling out degrading comments when they hear them. There was no man at my workplace who stood up to that guy when he said something. And you know, that's like, why can't we call out that? Why can't we focus on that? Why can't we try and stop this sort of behavior from becoming toxic before it does? Like, I just, I just think if we keep trying to restrict what women are doing and telling them, well, you better not do this and you better not do this, we'll lose. We'll keep losing. And if we win, it's because women aren't living their full life and living, making the choices that they want to make. You know, I think if we, you know, empower young boys to respect women and see women as their equals and their friends and their workmates rather than a sexual object for them to look at and use and touch – uh, I think that's where we win and that's where we be- get the best outcomes. And I, I want to see it happen less and I don't want to see women's movements and freedoms restricted just because we can't get a hold on this problem with men. Yeah, but again, no one is saying we shouldn't be saying to boys, you need to control yourself. Everyone is saying no. One, no, but they're not. The, what did the policeman say about what did the what did the officer say when he made a statement? He didn't say anything about it. So that's not actually true. That you know everyone thinks that it's it's not. Those messages aren't getting out. I'm not hearing them. Yeah. Well, so he may have decided that that wasn't the time or the place. And now I know you're going to think that's horrific, but in that press conference, he's not talking to that comedian that got killed. She's dead. That sucks, but he's not talking to her. There's nothing he can say that's going to change that. What can he do? He can talk to other women who he can help. And if he can convince some women to do the things that he said that the comedian also did, that will prevent some rapes. Okay, or he could talk to men and say, men, when you hear other men talking to or about women in a way that is disrespectful, you need to stand up, you need to say something, and you need to call out other men. He could have just said yep. that. He could have said, we need to address the fact that sexual assault rapes, 
you know, the perpetrators are almost always men. There is an issue there. What are you doing men to stop this? Or, you know, he could have said all this stuff and maybe, yeah, he chose not to. And I'm just saying, I think that was a bad choice. And I think it was not just, but this isn't just to say about him. I think this is a common message that we, that we hear. This is, this is a common thing that people don't talk. I mean, it's, again, I think it's getting better, but this is a common thing that we don't talk about what men need to be talking about with other men and doing with other men and the way that we talk to young boys about consent and about respect and about equality. Yeah, of course. Agreed. Yep. Chris, anything? Yeah. Well, I, I thought I'd try and take us in a slightly different direction. Like you were talking before about, you don't have to apologize for your biology. Yeah. You know, you got breasts, people deal with it, you know. And I, one of the things I think I got from that masculinity episode was that I, I think I was wrong, Nick, when I said that there's a problem with men in the way that I said it, because I think that, um, I don't think you need to apologize for being born male. I don't think you need to apologize for, for your biology. And I think that it probably came across a bit that I, I was like, well, there's a problem with, with men just flat out. And I don't, if you're born male, you're born male. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're born female, you've been female. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong. And what we, I think we got to a fair bit into that was that masculinity is this social construct, which goes to forming, you know, what we think an expression of what that maleness is. And there are elements within masculinity that that can turn toxic and so i think i just wanted to clarify that saying that there's a problem with men isn't necessarily helpful and i think that that's where a lot of men get defensive when they hear just the words toxic masculinity that they'll just think that it's all men mm. and that's you know, what a lot of yeah, the other, yeah. and then we get this not all men retort but I, it is something that like i think a lot of people who get defensive and say not all men. I, I I do think there's a problem there. I think that that's part of a cultural problem as well that, that comes out of toxic masculinity in the sense that they feel like the finger's pointing out and they, they get defensive. They, they don't want to do the work of trying to fix it because I think that while I, I don't think there's a problem with being born male, I think that, that that social construct of masculinity that we're all conditioned with has affected all of us. It affects me. I can be... I can be in a situation where uh, a woman is talking and I'll talk over her and I'll oh, go, oh, damn it, I've done it. You know, like, no, I'm just saying there are, there, are, there are elements of me that still carry conditioning just because you pick it up through the whole of society. And so there are things that there are biases that I want to continue to work on. And so while I don't accept that there's, you know, like – like, you're not a problem, Nick, in one sense. Like, is there domestic abuse at your house? This is a serious question. <laughs> serious question. No, there is not domestic abuse in our family. Right. Yeah. So, you're an awesome, you're an awesome husband. Well, right. I would hope that that just makes me a normal husband, but uh, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And an awesome... Yeah. <laughs> it's a low bar, Chris. <laughs> and, a, and an awesome father. And, and if you were an employer, would you be just as likely to employ females as well as males oh uh, yeah yeah i would see no reason for those for the gender of a person to influence whether yeah. i hired them or not yeah so there are a lot of good men there just are a lot of good men but to think that you know I, I would classify myself as a good man but to think that i don't carry some of some toxic elements within me from just 
soaking it all up through my skin through my whole life that I don't still need to work on. So in that sense, I think that we contribute to masculinity as much as we, well, we pick up more than we contribute to it, but we can contribute to it and we can shape it. And that's why, you know, like mm. you want the policeman to come out and say, let's shape yes. it. Let's, yes. yeah. So I think that you were right when you were telling me, Nick, that I was wrong. But I also wanted to clarify that I think that I was somewhat right. So I don't, I think when people say that there's a problem with men, that that's what they're referring to. They're not saying that men are born. All men are born, a problem. That men are born evil or something, but there's a problem with this social construct in some of the ways it plays out. And I think that we all have that within us and we all have the ability to shape that. Yeah. So the idea that yeah. men or boys have to act a certain way is stupid. Men can be interested in trucks. They can be interested in ballet. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Be interested in whatever you want. Women can be interested in ballet. They can be interested in trucks. Whatever. That's fine. I think that's what toxic masculinity and toxic femininity is, is when we assign gender stereotypes that say that men should be this way and if they're not, they're abnormal, and women should be this way and if they're not, they're abnormal. Yeah. But the thing you were talking about, Chris, about talking over women being a sign of your, what would you call it? That's your toxic masculinity because you've been marinated in that society or something? Yeah. 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 So I think far more likely is that because you reside within an echo chamber of feminism and social justice warriors, that a very normal human interaction of, oops, I just accidentally talked over someone, all of a sudden becomes, oh, here's my confirmation bias. I am a sexist pig. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a sexist pig, but I, I just think that some of that would come from a bias that I have in the way that I see women as to the way that I see men in the way that I would treat them. There would be some some biases there that just need to be need to be. Worked I'm pretty on. confident if we had a social scientist follow you around 24 seven and count the number of times you talked over men and talked over women, it would be even. <laughs> There's no way you okay. are more you can... domineering okay. <clears throat> over women than men. Can I please refer to um, <laughs> a study from the University of California? About Chris. Um, not oh, about Chris, but about men and women. And they didn't specify, you know, only men who are toxic in their masculinity, just in general. And uh, they found that there are definite pattern ways in which the power and dominance enjoyed by men in other contexts are exercised in conversational interaction in a fancy wanky way of saying it. So basically they recorded conversations between men and men, women and women, and men and women. And what they found is overwhelmingly men interrupted women far, far more. And this happens in the workplace as well. In the conversations between a man and a woman out of the 48, this one example, out of the 48 interruptions, 46 of them were the man interrupting the woman. So I'm, I don't think all of those men in that experiment are sexist or see women as less than consciously, but some of them might be, as you call them, social justice warriors or call themselves feminists. But I, you know, I mean, they might all be, but I don't think, I think that's very unlikely. I think it's much more likely that they have habitual, um, that it's, yeah, it's part of a broader social construct. And also the evidence shows in meetings and things that women are more likely to be asked for evidence to back up what they're saying. Men are more likely to be taken at their word. So conversational sort of indicators like this that I think is sort of what Chris is talking about, that he may not be openly sexist and he may not be the problem, mm. but that we all contribute to the problem. And so I just think getting defensive and saying that there isn't a problem, I think that shirking 
the work that needs to be and you know like we talked a lot about problem with with um toxic masculinity is men not being able to take responsibility and to you know regulate their own emotional world essentially but it's taking responsibility in in all sorts of areas i think in how we relate to others and women taking responsibility as well maybe absolutely yeah. sure absolutely yeah um but i again it's like you know i guess jordan peterson says put your own house in order <laughs> you know so that's that's just where i sort of want to focus and you know, I'll have biases towards different groups of men and stuff as well, I guess. You know, there's all sorts of things that we've been conditioned. And, you know, we do a, a podcast on, on religion a lot. And, you know, religion was a lot of conditioning that we've had to look at and go, what's just shit? And, you know, what do I still value? So I try and approach a lot of things in that, that sort of way. Yeah. Mm. I'm not going to get it right <laughs> all the time. And I'm not going to, I don't really, I don't want to beat myself up about it. I think that's one of the things I think you've been concerned that I, I do beat myself up about it. I probably do. I probably have a tendency to do that and that's unhealthy. So I guess how do I approach it in a way that I, that's, that's healthy and that's constructive and that just mm. makes me a better person and helps everyone else around me be better people too. But part of that is taking responsibility of the attitudes of men that I see around me. Yeah. I want to do more of that. I have been thinking about having more conversations with women about the way that we can, <laughs> when I get to the end of this, it might be shit. <laughs> so maybe delete it. I have been thinking, I'm not just making this up now. I've actually been thinking a little bit more lately after, actually after I heard a bit of your masculinity podcast um, about women often teasing men who are smaller or shorter or jokes about small penises and and feminist women making these like everyone makes making these jokes and talking about small man syndrome and stuff like that and just how unhelpful I think that is and I think that can come from men and women but like that looking at my own in my own backyard first and um I think that's a, that's an area I want to challenge women more in in that like I actually don't think that's helpful for men or women when we tease men about stuff like that, you know, like, well, I'm just going to say a bit from earlier, you know, the, what's, what's the thing that men are most afraid of? Yeah. That women will laugh at them. Yeah. Women are afraid that men will kill them. Yeah. And that, you know, if, you know, that sort of teasing men, that's just reinforcing that idea of what it means to be a man. And that's incredibly unhelpful for mm. the man and for the women that he may interact with in the future. Yeah. That's not to say all short men who get teased for being short, then go on to become murderers. Just <laughs> disclaimer. My nickname's been Little Man for for many many uh, years. Yeah, yeah. I just embraced it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we've talked a lot. Yeah, there's been a lot to take. Is there, in. So, were there any other particular things? Like, there's a couple of things from the podcast that Nick said that I I was like, oh, why didn't I say this? You know, like when you said that. I think we were talking about men and women. You know, men being more dominant, women being more submissive. And you were saying we need more men who are able to, I can't remember what you said, you know, but like listen sort of thing. We need women to be able to stand up for themselves more. And I was just like going, but hang on, that's what they're doing. And every time they do that, you get really fired up. And I'm like going, isn't that what they're doing? No, you're shaking your head at that. Because like when, okay, for example, when the Me Too movement started, you were so, so on board and then, then it went just a bit too far for you and something happened and then suddenly you're writing all of it off, you know, so. No, not writing all of it off. 
So yeah, like, okay. was the Me Too movement overall a positive thing or a negative thing? I don't know. It may well be a positive thing overall. The idea that, like, what has happened in Hollywood is brilliant. It is so good because that sort of shit ain't going to happen anymore. It cannot happen anymore. Mm. Women mm. will just smash the shit out of any bloke that tries to pull that sort of stump. And that's awesome. That's brilliant. There's also the negative stuff that we've talked about, though. And so both of those are true. So Me Too has been good. It's also been terrible. Which one? I don't know. Maybe it leans towards good. That would be my guess. Okay. Yeah. But no, like, absolutely we want women to stand up for themselves. And the problem is when it swings too far. The problem is, so feminism has been really awesome and is still really awesome in, you know, a lot of developing countries. The problem is when it swings too far. So we t we've talked about the different waves of feminism. So the first wave and the second wave were really important and achieved equality goals that everyone should be applauding. And third wave feminism is the pendulum swinging too far in my mind. Yep, you made that clear. And it's my fault for taking us in the wrong direction and away from talking about the masculinity episode so let's get back to that because i wanted to sort of finish on asking ruby if you feel hope for this thing that we call masculinity look at you i'm not sure that you do i'm not sure how i asked this question in a better way um let me try and answer and i'll just shift it a little bit as well <laughs> <laughs> i do i've said I, I think things are changing and i think they're moving in a positive direction and I think that the job's not done. But something else I've been reflecting on is that I also think sometimes we really value words and labels and behavior behind that is far more important. So, okay, so I'll give an example of my brother, for example, Jonah, um, who I know has visited this podcast before. Um, <clears throat> him and I definitely don't always see eye to eye on some of this stuff and we've had plenty of heated debates about what words to use when and yeah, basically, I mean, everything really that we've talked about tonight, um, him and I have, uh, have discussed at length and sometimes it gets heated and sometimes we really disagree. And sometimes, uh, it's easy for me to, to kind of feel a bit maybe disheartened, um, that this person who I love and respect, you know, so much in the whole, um, like so much doesn't necessarily see the world like I do on things that I can see as really important. But when it comes to the way he actually lives his life and his values and the way he acts um, every day, particularly towards women, uh, I almost can't fault him. Uh, he's incredibly respectful and he's thoughtful and he, I think he empowers not just women but just people around him and vulnerable people as well. He, he cares about people and he has a big heart and he actually, uh, you know, he walks the talk, you know, more than almost anyone I know. And I'll give an example. When recently my husband was on a train with him and uh, my husband Jono said that he was sort of just mind his own business, I don't know, listening to music or something. And he noticed my brother get up out of his seat on the train and walk over to this older man that neither of them knew. And my husband didn't really know what Jonah was doing, but Jonah walked over to this man, leant down next to him and just very calmly said and quite quietly in his ear, excuse me, mate, are you respecting people's privacy? And this guy jumped and uh, instantly my husband realized what had happened is that my brother had seen this, this stranger on the train taking photos um, of a girl who was sort of a few seats away from him but facing him, taking quite like discreetly taking photos um, up, of up this girl's skirt uh, without her knowledge. Um, and my brother had seen it, walked over, 
said this to him. This guy jumped, stood up out of his seat and went to run. And my brother sort of, I think, just yelled something probably inappropriate after him. You're a piece of shit as as this guy ran out of the train. And anyway, my husband told me this story when he found out what had happened and why my brother had done that. He told me the story and I kind of approached my brother and I said, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I can't believe you did that. That's awesome. And he was just really confused. Like, what? I don't, what's the big deal? Wouldn't anyone would do that, right? Um, because for him, it's just obvious that that's how we're, what's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have each other's back, male or female, young or old, like that's how we're supposed to treat each other. And, uh, and I guess for me, that's what I'm understanding more is that I'm, I'm, we might have some disagreements, but when it comes to how we live our lives, what's so much more important to me than whether Jonah and I always use the same words is that if he sees a girl on the train being disrespected without her knowledge, um, with or without her knowledge, that he would say something and he would, he would do the right thing. And that, that to him is just a given and is not a heroic act. It's just the way that we're all supposed to treat people. Um, and so I think, you know, at the end of the day, we can argue until our faces turn blue about what words to use and what the wage gap is and what feminism is. But if, if we all kind of adopted a bit of, uh, the attitude that my brother had in that moment, I think that's really what's going to bring about change. That's what's really going to make a difference for women to feel safer and to be safer and to experience what, what I would describe as equality. Beautifully said. Hmm. What a good bloke. Yeah, he's a good bloke. So thanks for joining us for this extra chat. No worries. Thanks, guys, for all your time. So thanks, Ruby, for your reply to our podcast and for listening to our podcast. No worries. We treasure that, but we also treasure you coming on. So if you, if you yourself want to reply to, you know, any of our podcasts, it could be one from ages ago. If you want to have a discussion with Nick and I, uh, we're more than happy to have you on. Yeah, even if you want to talk about it and not record it, <laughs> we're happy to, to have a chat as well. Yeah, Happy. we love conversation. Yeah, so keep listening and keep letting us know what you think because we're all in it together. Cool. Cheers. Much love. Bye. Bye. Bye.